Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. into the Double Switch Podcast, and this is our first episode. I am your co-host, Jonathan Butler, and I over here on my other side, I have Michael, and I don't know exactly how to say your last name. I believe it's Buckenroth. <laughs> it is, Michael Buckenroth, yeah, and I'm the other the other co-host for the uh, Double Switch Podcast. Yeah, we just, we just brought you on to the Fake Teams team. I'm glad to have you on. I've been wanting to get back into podcasting because I haven't been able to put out as many articles as I've wanted lately. It's partly due to time schedule for me. But podcasting is something I've always enjoyed. And this is, especially with us finally having a baseball season, I'm really excited to be able to bring this to our fans, to be able to get this up off the ground once again. Oh, man, I know. Even even with the 60-game season, I don't care. Like I said, I've been watching inter-squad games. It's just baseball is back, and I I don't care the amount of games. I'm, I'm in full full swing here. I'm exactly the same. I've been putting on just random teams, whether it's the Nationals, whether it's my White Sox, whether it's other teams. It's just it's nice to have it on, even if it's just watching players face their own team. The fact that we got this far is good enough for me. And I can't wait to get the 60 game sprint underway compared to the 162 game marathon that we're used to. Yeah, I think it's going to be really fun, because if you think about it, almost every game matters. I mean, there's not going to be a game where it because like these games are so let there's so few of them that all of them matter. So it's going to be cool to see maybe even some teams that aren't usually in contention, maybe have like a solid month and they're in, they're in the thick of things when it comes for playoff run. And I feel like that would be cool because you have your teams that are usually like the bottom dwellers and they don't really ever do anything, but they could kept catch heat one couple series here and there and be in contention. I love it. Especially when they're facing the opposite, well, obviously, NL versus AL, they get to face their same division, and you're going to have, I mean, especially like we were talking about before the podcast with uh, the East, you have the AL East and the NL East, and both are really strong, so now you have these really strong teams facing each other, and it's going to make for some really good games and some really good playoff races, like you said. Yeah, I can't wait. Why don't we get into a little bit of our introduction for ourselves? Obviously, we kind of did that a little bit. But uh, you and I are new to each other and we're new to our fans. So what is your history with fantasy baseball? When did you start? When did you kind of get into the game? Yeah, so, I mean, I've been into fantasy baseball for probably, I would say, thick of things like in in paid leagues and big leagues for about 10 years now. Um, I've been in one league for eight years, which is a high school league that a bunch of the people that I played high school baseball with um, were all in one league. That's a keeper league. And then I do a couple work leagues here and there, but I do have one solid league that I've been in for a really long time. What about That's you? Awesome. 
I've been doing fantasy sports in general since 2006. I started then and I got a harsh reality with fantasy baseball because I'm so I'm a White Sox fan born and raised and obviously 2005 was great for me I remember seeing stuff about fantasy sports on Yahoo back in the day and in 2006 that was my first year being a White Sox homer and being what I would have been like 17 at that point I drafted mostly White Sox players 2006 wasn't a bad year for the team, but in fantasy yeah. sports, it's not the best strategy for all on one team. Regardless, yeah. I I do I do have a couple of friends that uh, I live here in Arizona, and they're big Diamondbacks fans, so they're taking all the Diamondbacks players, and I'm like, <laughs> that's not a strategy you want to do. I mean, if you want to, go ahead because that's your prerogative on your team. But I'm a San Francisco Giants fan, and especially this year. I don't know how many I'm going to have on the roster. (laughs) So I don't know. I usually, I tend to take like maybe one, but I don't know if I'll take too many this year, but we'll see. Depends on where things drop. Cause I still have uh, a draft to do tomorrow. And then I have a draft on Tuesday. So we'll see. Do you have any upcoming drafts? No. And that actually gets us into our next one of, I don't play a whole lot of redraft. And part of it for me is just the, if you, it's hard to find a good redraft league because halfway through the uh, season, you have people that just drop off. They go to football and their team's bad. And all of a sudden you're getting easy wins, which is fun. But at the same time, it's great when you have a competitive edge for everyone. So I tend to play more in dynasty leagues and we just finished our, uh, first year player draft, we usually do it in the middle of the year during the all-star break. So you get the J2 players, you get the recent draft picks. And if people want to go after the uh, Spencer Howards, Tariq Scoobles that broke out in the last year, cool. Or you can go with the young guys that are just signed. Like last year, we would we had Robert Poisson, you had uh, Noelle Marte, guys like that really break out and, and get signed to teams. And they were early round draft picks. And same with... Yeah. Um, Jason Dominguez of the Yankees. New York Yankees. So yeah. that was the only draft I've had recently, but that I, I tend to be more of a dynasty player and that you'll, a lot of my articles are centered more on the dynasty aspect of fantasy baseball. So what about you? Yeah. I mean, I play a lot of head to head leagues and I do a lot of redrafts. Um, but like I said, I've been in the one league that for so long that everybody always tends to, we're all big football fans too, but I feel like on that side, we're a little bit bigger baseball fans. So a lot of them do stay in the league, regardless if they're losing or not. They still, they don't, they maybe not, they might not make as many moves like free agency because they're paying Mm -hmm. attention to football, but they still put their plug in their lineups and play day to day. So I I tend to play in a lot more head to head leagues. Yeah, I'm a head to head. I've got one roto league. And, but for me, it's mostly head-to-head categories. I've never been a big fan of points, but I dynasty head-to-head—that's the way I go. Yeah, because it's really—it's—it's. It's, I feel like it's a little bit, especially if you're watching the game and you—you you can see like on the the stat tracker or whatever where it shows that this guy needs like one more triple to take that category, and then you see him hit it, and you're like, yes, you know what I mean? Like it's oh yeah, it's a cool feeling. It, it makes for more trash talk too, because yeah. of the fact that we have my dynasty leagues are all really close. And the fact that you get to face somebody every week has always been more preferable to myself and a lot of the league mates that I have of it's fun to be able to have that you versus this guy and be able to be that close of a matchup. Roto's great. I have, like I said, I have the one league 
but the head to head is just so much more fun. Yeah. So especially if you're in, if you're in a league with friends and stuff, it is, it is, it does tend to, uh, especially cause you get to play different people. You know what I mean? It's like in the other leagues, it's a lot of, you're just getting like getting stats and yeah. whoever has the best stats. This one, like on Sunday, you're like, Oh, I get to play you starting Monday. And you're just that whole week talking trash. Yeah, I know. I understand completely. So, why don't we get into some of the news? Because baseball is less than a week away. We're looking at July 23rd or 24th, obviously, is opening day. And there's been a lot. Uh, the biggest one, to me at least recently, was Yasiel, Yasiel Puig not signing with the Braves due to testing positive for COVID-19. And I really I wanted to see him sign somewhere. I'm glad he was going to a competitor because an outfield of Puig and Acuna and Marcelo Zuna, that itself is a lot of fun right there. That's a lot of talent with the bat and defensively. Ozuna, obviously not so much, but now he's going to remain a free agent at this point. I'm That sucks for the Braves. They could use another outfielder. Obviously, they're going to look at the, ro- the rookies of a possibly a Drew Waters later in the year. Austin Riley may be in right field. He gets his chance, but... I think that's a big blow to the Braves considering what they were expecting to get out of week. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I do think that that, that is a huge hit to their roster. I think they'll still be fine because they do have those, the guys you were talking about, but I do think Yasiel will sign with somebody. I think that somebody will still give him a chance after he obviously has the two negative COVID tests but I, I do see him being on a roster at least by midseason. I, I, I don't – if I had to throw a guess out there. Um, it's I, tough I mean, to say just because so many teams – so many teams are going to be dealing with attrition and – Exactly. Anyone could literally sign them, and it's not going to take a lot, especially on a one-year deal. On a one-year deal, yeah. So I, I agree too, especially with players like that are – getting COVID tests and then have to sit out, you know, like, like we said earlier, these games are, are mostly counting. Everyone is counting. So you're going to need, if, if a star outfielder sits out and you're going to need a, a week to come in and, and help out your team if you're in contention. So, yeah, I do, I do see Yasiel signing with another team. I just do think that it does affect the Braves because I do think with Puig in their outfield, that only pushes them up even more to win that division. It does. And so the other uh, few names that we have here, obviously Austin Meadows uh, tested positive for COVID-19. He may not be ready for opening day, they're saying, but on the same side, Glass now, he's healthy again. He should be ready. So the race suffer a little bit of a hit to their offense. And Glass now being ready is great. He's currently going in the top 70 picks off the board. So in a year where these starters are going to be, they may only go three or four innings this first week or two weeks around. So that's great for the Rays and his fantasy owners, but Austin Meadows not being ready for opening day is a huge blow because he's a big time guy this year. If I could find him real quick. Yeah. He's going in. Uh, I know he's going early in a lot of leagues and yeah, especially mine. Yeah. I mean, I have Austin Meadows in, in two out of the four teams I have. And so I've been definitely monitoring this, because he's my stud outfielder, you know? I mean, I do think that – because I do think, I, if I can remember correctly, he tested positive 
like a few days ago, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I know a lot of these players will test positive, and then after like a week, they'll they'll start getting their their uh, negative tests back, so they're able to come back. But it does it does uh, worry me a little that we haven't really heard too much about it. You know, I think it's going to open the door for uh, Yoshi uh susugo who they signed this this season that's going to open a spot for him at least for a little while Mm -hmm. and they'll obviously the race have always been one to play around with rosters so i don't think it's going to kill them too much but uh meadows obviously i'm trying to see i don't think he had any symptoms but whether or not he's going to be back in time and be healthy enough to make a difference early on is tough but at least you know the Rays have guys that you can always go to if you have to grab one off the waiver wire. Yes, yeah, the Rays do have a uh, – and then earlier this year, I know. I mean, defensively, you you wouldn't want to do this, but like Jose Martinez, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, defensively he's, he's not great at all. But for a bat, that's a solid bat that they could put him in. But, I mean, I don't know if you'd want to take that – defensive liability because right well and the Rays have so many DHs on their team between between him G-Man Choi you've got uh Hunter Renfro who can play a decent outfield yeah but you've got guys that can fill a DH and obviously the Rays already had it with the universal DH for this year but they already had it and they need a little bit more defense besides just Kiermaier trying to roam the everything yeah (laughs) yeah and then um, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Yohan Moncada also just reported to uh, White Sox camp, and I'm sure yes. I'm sure you've seen it because you're a White Sox fan. So that's huge for you guys. It, it's huge for uh, the White Sox themselves and my myself on my home league. I've got him as my top third baseman with him and Vlad Guerrero because I uh, tanked the first couple of years. But Yohan Moncada getting back is great. The fact that he's been able to rejoin the White Sox, nobody's going to take his spot, but if he can get healthy enough, we could see him be one of the top third basemen, just like he was last year. And I want to see if he can carry what he did all last year into this year. I think he has that possibility because he's a star in the making and him moving to third base, his defense shows. So you don't have to worry about him being taken out of games for defensive liability. And it's gonna, he's gonna going to be a big part of a an explosive offense for the White Sox with Encarnacion, Eloy Jimenez, Abreu, uh, himself, even Nick Madrigal, who could play at the top of the order, and then obviously Luis Robert, who everyone is just so excited for. Yeah. Moncada being a part of that is going to be big for fantasy this year. I've ac- I've actually been for I've been catching my eye on a lot of the White Sox. Um, inner squad games and like Tim Anderson's mm-hmm. already bat flipping, cracking home runs. And Luis Robert is just, man, that guy is going to be so good making solid plays out in the outfield. Like I, I honestly do think that the White Sox have a very solid chance this year. They, and then all Nick Madrigal does is just get hits mm-hmm. and get on base. And then he's going to steal. I mean, once he gets full time job, he's going to, probably be one of the top uh, stolen base contributors in the MLB for sure. I think one of those things we have to remember, I will on a tangent here with Madrigal, I think a lot of people are giving him a little bit more speed than he has. He's fast, but I don't expect him to be a 40 stolen base type guy. Maybe that's just me, but especially down in the minors, 
he had 18 last season or no, sorry. That's okay. So last year, 17, 14, he had almost 40 in the minors, but before that he wasn't stealing a whole lot. So yeah, he's, but he's going to be great, especially for runs for average. He's going to be a guy that he does all the little things yes, where perfectly. he's going to, he, the other night in the inner squad game, he went from first to second on a fly ball just to, I wouldn't even deep center. It wasn't even the warning track. And Luis Robert obviously has an arm, yeah. but he still is able to tag up and move up and get into scoring position. So he's going to be fast. How much he steals, especially on a team with this much firepower, we'll have to see. But Madrigal could be exciting for this year. He's just definitely going to have the opportunity because he's going to hit mm-hmm. 330. <laughs> with, with a 4% strikeout rate. The guy yeah, exactly. The guy high. never strikes out. But yeah, so I, I do see I do see you having a, a uh, happy season at least with your team, unless obviously injury strikes. I do think that they've set themselves up pretty well. And well, yeah, and it's it should be exciting. Although one that kind of came out yesterday that was hit the internet really quick was Domingo Herman for the Yankees might be retiring. Uh, he <laughs> fired out a cryptic tweet last night of basically, hey if this is what my 11 year career has done for me, I'm happy with it. And it, there's a lot of skepticism, whether he's retiring, he didn't really state anything, but he was still dealing with the 80 game suspension from the domestic violence uh, suspension. He started in 2019. He was going to be out all of this season. He wouldn't be able to play until this year's playoffs, but he's going to be 28 by the time he could pitch again. And would he even be ready for the playoffs this year? I highly doubt it. So it'd be unlikely for the Yankees to carry him. And if he's not pitching until 2021, he's going to be 28 missing a season and a half, even though it's not due to injury. I don't know if he really has a spot. You have guys like Clark Schmidt and the Yankees and the Yankees have a deep farm system for pitching. So if he's done, that's a huge blow dynasty guys to anyone that expected him to be a part of the future since he started to get into his own. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I don't, especially with the tweet being cryptic, I don't know if he's maybe just, you know, just disappointed with what's going on and, and just the whole situation. So I don't know if maybe that's what he's saying is he's going to retire or like I said, he's just maybe not in the right headspace right now, but I, I do think him retiring would be a huge blow, but let's hope that, he he doesn't because that he's definitely one of the the fun people to watch on that Yankees staff when he does pitch. Yeah, he's been rising. He figured out his control last year. The strikeout numbers dropped from uh, ten point seven per nine to nine point six three, but he was able to limit the walks. He was able to be a better pitcher than just a thrower. So that's a big blow to the Yankees. And we'll have to see what happens with that. We'll update you if we hear anything. So why don't we actually get into this season, though? Guys that matter, guys we love, guys we don't love. And that's kind of what we're here for this first episode, at least. Definitely. So I wanted to see if you have a couple of your favorite early rounders, because I have a couple. So I was going to maybe I'll throw one out, you'll throw one out, and then we'll, we'll go that way. So mine, I know everybody knows he's... Huge, has big years, MVP, but I still think that he, he might not top, obviously, because 60 games, but I think in a 60-game in a sample size, I think Cody Bellinger this year is going to just have a huge year. I have been watching some of the Dodgers inner squads, and 
I just don't feel like he's giving it his all out there right now. But once the season starts, especially going against, I mean, he starts the, the season off against the Giants pitching staff. And we know that that's not the greatest, especially me being a Giants fan. So I just think he's going to have a quick early start, uh, just crushing the ball against us for sure. What about you? Does, uh, does his swing change concern you at all? Because obviously his first half last year was absolutely stellar. If I could get this to pull up for last year. Uh, first half was, oh, come on. There it is. First half. So obviously he had he had an ISO of three fifty five, yeah. but his slat, triple slash of three thirty six, four thirty two, and six ninety two with an OPS over one point one. And then in the second half, he admitted to making some tweaks and he fired he dropped off uh, seventy points in batting average. His slugging yeah. dropped, everything went off. But he said he's been tweaking it again this year, trying to find that right balance. Does that concern you at all, especially as a top five pick, or no? No, not me. Um, like I said, they were, they were talking about that in the inner squad that I watched and they were saying that he, he did work a lot on it during the off season and even the start of spring training when we had our first spring training. So I personally don't find it to be an issue. I could see why people maybe don't want to go so high on Bellinger, but for me personally, for my favorite early rounder, I, I, I do think that he's still going to have the, the same type of, MVP season as he as he had last year in a in a 60 game sample size. Absolutely. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Uh, one of my guys is obviously Juan Soto. You'll learn with me. I'm a huge Juan Soto fan. I have been <laughs> since before his MLB debut. I've been standing up for him for the longest time. The kid is just a monster at the plate. He has a great batter's eye. And I think especially in such a short season, the f he's going to be consistent throughout. And that's going to be nice because even on when he's cold, he's still going to provide you runs. He's going to provide you some RBIs because his ability to get on base, he's going to be a value no matter what. I He's not a guy like Justin Upton or uh, Edelberto Mondesi, who if they're on fire, they're great and they're helping. But if they're cold, they don't provide you nothing. Soto, yeah. I think, is one of my top picks this year, as he should be every year, but simply because he should not kill you any single week. And he's he could win you weeks all by himself, especially yeah. facing – the Orioles and the Blue Jays pitching staff because of that East versus East this year. So Soto's my guy. Yeah. So my second guy, um, Trey Turner, uh, just solid all, especially if you're playing in like the, the categories, he's a category stuffer. He, 
I just see him having because last year he started off with the the broken thumb, and that just I think especially with st- st- uh, stolen bases he didn't do as many. But I just feel this year fully healthy and playing against the um, a lot of the uh, lower level teams that he's going to have just a huge season, and I feel like he's going to probably be number one or number two in stolen bases when the 60 game season's over with. I agree with you there. And the fact that he doesn't kill you anywhere is great. Uh, Obviously anyone in Roto leagues is going to need stolen bases. He's going to be a top pick and he's, you don't have to try and make up time with him because of the fact he provides uh, speed is one of his top things. He does provide some power, almost 20 home runs in a regular season every year. And he's going to be on a great offense versus guys where you're trying to find speed late in drafts. I think Turner's a great early round pick because you're in any Roto league. That's a problem with going late on speed is if your guy isn't hitting, you're going to have to try and dump him for another. And that just may not be there this year, but Turner, especially behind Soto behind, uh, obviously no Rendon hurts. Yeah. Rendon, Rendon leaving to go to, uh, the Angels did did definitely hurt, but I, I do think that it's still going to be a solid lineup. I mean, yeah, and it's I there were rumors of him originally being the third uh, hitting in the three hole this year, but they did come out and say that he will be the leadoff man, which means Robles is probably down at the bottom of the order, unfortunately. But I mean, obviously, you've got T- uh, Eric Thames, Howie Kendrick, Starlin Castro. You still have a solid cast around Turner who are going to drive him in and get him over. So I'm not too worried about that. My last one is actually a pitcher in Walker Bueller in a season where, to me, the higher end pitchers are going to be more valuable this year. It's a little bit risky, and he's going as a 16th pick right now. It's risky because if one of the top guys goes down due to COVID, due to injury, it's a huge blow to your staff. But investing in at least one or two of the top pitchers is definitely necessary because they're guys that are going to be expected to go longer early on in the season. And especially as the season goes on, they will be guys that are trusted by their managers. You're not going to have the John Lester's where, okay, four innings and you're done because we're just going to go to the bullpen. So Bueller is one of my favorites. He's healthy. Uh, he doesn't have that risk of obviously DeGrom had the weird flare up recently with his back. Scherzer always has an issue with his back. Verlander is 37. So you never know when he's going to kind of fall off the table. You don't expect it to be this year, but I absolutely love Bueller where he's going. I love the fact of him being a dominant pitcher and being able to face some of the teams that he's facing. I think he could end up as the number one. <laughs> Number one or number two pitcher behind Cole. So yeah, no, I and I have a lot of of him in my teams for sure because a lot of people, especially in my leagues, they're sleeping on him, and I'm like, I'll take I'll take Walker every day of the mm-hmm. week, you know, like that's for sure. So now that we've said a couple of our early rounders that we really like, do you have maybe one that you just don't see why he's going so high or you just maybe don't fully trust or like. Yeah. And I, I've already mentioned him once and that's Edelberto Mondesi. Uh, the short season, I don't feel like there's such a difference between him and a guy that you can get later. Uh, 
that provides speed, especially if he starts out cold, he's going to kill you in batting average. He's going to kill you in on-base percentage if you use that as a category for Roto or head-to-head. And the speed's great, but I'm not fully one to just buy in. I'd rather take guys later, especially on someone that that's his only category. Give me a guy like Ahmed Rosario or Danny Santana that have the speed that can give it to you in little bits. But, I mean, Mondesi's always hurt. He's, especially in a short season, if he starts out, say, two for 40 or anything else, your average is going to tank, and he doesn't bring anything else. So Yeah. And if he's going two for 40, he's not getting stolen bases. Right. So So I completely agree. He can kill you. What about you? So I, you kind of talked about it a little bit, uh, earlier was as uh, Jacob DeGrom. So I know he came out saying he had the back issues and, and I just pulled up the Mets uh, schedule for this year. And let me just tell you the first four series that they they're going into. They open the season against Atlanta, obviously stacked lineup. Then they go to, then they play Boston, another pretty, oh, pretty solid lineup. Then they go, they play Atlanta again. And then they play Washington. And then after Washington, they go to Philadelphia. So I just don't see, and I know that division is really well. So I just, I just see that he, he, this is not a great schedule for them. Like, and then they're going to have to play the Yankees. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I just feel like those are this season for them is just, they're going to be playing really tough schedules. And you already, like you said, He's already saying he has back issues. So it's like, I don't know if maybe he has like a back, like maybe second or third start, he has some back tightness. And then he goes, you know what? I'm just going to just call it, sit it out. Like, I don't know. Because like I said, I don't know if that's what he'll do, but I could just see him having issues. And then maybe just saying, you know what? I'm going to uh, maybe sit out, get rest and, and try again next year. And, and then that would really hurt because DeGrom is going uh, – let's see here. I have him at uh, NFC going number seven. Yeah, he's he's a high pick in NFBC pretty much the last few years, and he should be. He does have a much more brutal schedule having to face, like you said, the Yankees. You've got the Red Sox. You've got the Rays. The Blue Jays are an up-and-coming offense. I expect yeah. them to be better. And having to play them a ton, obviously, he does get the Orioles. He does get the Marlins. But it's yeah. who knows if he even pitches against them more exactly. than twice. Just because <laughs> yeah. of the way the season goes. He may only pitch against the tough teams. Exactly. I think he's still going to be worth it. But I, it is definitely not a favor for his schedule-wise. It does hurt a little bit. But he's he's a competitor. He's a bulldog on the mound. And it's... I could see you passing up and taking a guy with a little bit more favorable of a schedule in the next round or after that. Yeah, no, I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying that I don't think he's going to uh, be good when he pitches. I just feel like there's a couple of there's just too many things that are uh, against him mm-hmm. that I would pass, especially at number seven. Like I I would would go elsewhere for sure. Especially with a lot of uh, guys like Juan Soto, Trevor Story, Jose Ramirez that are going to bring more to your team because they're yes. playing every day. Yeah. So I, I could see that. Yep. Now, bef- uh, obviously, those are our top end guys that we're talking about, top of the roster that should be stars. But 
do you have, I, there's a go- couple of guys that I want to discuss that are good end of the roster guys that I think are great dart throws in such a short season that I've actually got one older one and one younger one. So I'm going to start with mine in Rich Hill. He's been going as pick 181 over the last month. Originally, his he was a much later than that because you're expecting him to miss half the season. But now that we're halfway through the season, as they would have viewed it, he's healthy. He's going to pitch for Minnesota. And they shouldn't really mess around with him because their bullpen isn't spectacular. But they should trust him to go at least five or six innings. He already fired off. I think five and a third the other night. So he's obviously stretched out. He's healthy. And what killed him usually was the second half of the year. He couldn't stay healthy. And in a short season, we could see Rich Hill put up a two and a half or less ERA just because he still has that nasty curve. He's, he's a tough out really. (laughs) He's a guy that's going to make you work at the plate. And I think as, especially as after 150, he's easy to invest in at that point. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that's uh, definitely a very solid player to get the end of the re- at the end of your roster. Um, I might not be going as as low as you are, but it's just somebody that I see having a, a breakout year. I know he's had one before, but I just feel like it's going to be huge this year, and that's Corey Seager. Uh, I think with that lineup, and I've actually been watching the Dodgers inner squad games. He has been raking the ball like he's been hitting so well against that dodging that that's pitching staff which is fairly solid and especially uh opening day like if you had one person that i wanted to play opening day uh against cueto he he destroys the ball let me pull up his stats against cueto which is going to be our uh opening day starter but i was actually looking at it and i'm just like whoa like he hits loading up here well and i know he actually uh he's a big riser over this last while i feel like a lot of people were sleeping on him early over the last month or so in nfbc he's been going about pick 137 yeah and i know uh shortstop is obviously a very deep position that you don't have to buy in on early but uh in that time he was originally he's raised up a few spots but he's usually he was going around pick 200 for a while and now he's back to that 137 mark so Mm -hmm. I mean, on a Dodgers team that's going to get to play a lot of uh, West teams that where they don't have great pitching staff, such as the Angels or obviously the Rockies, he's a good guy and especially healthy now, could be really valuable after pick 100. Exactly. And then, so I did I did find it. So against Cueto, just if you wanted to plug him in opening day, he he's hitting 353. He has three homers and six RBIs against Cueto. And how many at-bats? Uh, 34. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I mean, 353 against Cueto is, is like – and then you have, like, uh, Justin Turner hitting 346. So, I mean, I do expect them to hit the ball around on Cueto uh, fairly easily on uh, Thursday night. So, who do you got for your other uh, player that you can uh, get a little bit later down the end of your roster? So this one for me, it's a little bit of a homer pick, but it's also a uh, guy for me that I've been huge on because of the fact that, so we didn't have the greatest year last year and it's Dylan Cease. I've been pushing him all off season that he needs to be taken. He's a good back end of the rotation pitcher, but he has 
that huge upside. And he's currently going pick 268 over the last month. That's an easy free guy at the end of the draft. But the biggest issue he had last year was he was getting unnecessary cut on his fastball. And teammate Reynaldo Lopez actually helped him discover that because he never had that type of cut. He never had that movement on it. But Lopez saw it and they were able to correct his mechanics and if he's able to control that fastball, everything else is going to fall into place for him. He's got huge strikeout upside. And I mean, if you're looking almost close to 300, a guy that can give you 10 strikeouts per nine, that's going to be able to, he doesn't really have any restrictions on him. They're going to throw him. The White Sox need him to throw. So that way in 2021, he's ready to go with Kopech. And obviously Keiko is going to be here, but with Kopech out for the season, Cease is locked into that rotation fairly easily. So I think Cease is going to be well worth it, regardless of his almost six ERA last year. Yeah, no, I I completely agree, especially because, like I said, you could probably you could you maybe even be able to get him free agency, you know, after the draft mm-hmm. is over for sure. Um, once again, though, I'm going to go a little bit. Uh, he won't be as low as 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 end of roster, but maybe uh, right now NFBC has him at 208. And that's the catcher for the A's, Sean Murphy. Um, we all know he's gonna he's gonna start. He's gonna be the starting catcher on the team. That's one hundred percent. We did kind of talk a little bit earlier uh, before we started this, though, about it's just the unknown. You don't fully know what you're gonna get from him. I know that they do have obviously a lot of um, faith in him because if I do remember correctly, they started him in their wild card game. Uh, last year I could be wrong but I do think they they actually put him in there and he uh, got the start so I, I do know that they have a lot of faith in him and I have a lot of uh, Sean Murphy as well so that's who I think my person is that I've been getting really late in, in drafts and and especially if you want to you know kind of boot the catcher position a little bit and maybe not go after the big stars but I, that's who I would personally take. I like that a lot. And especially it's so hard to want to, at least for me to invest in catcher early on, just because they sit out so many games. You don't have a lot of guys that really catch the 140, 150, like Salvador Perez did back in the day. And especially a young guy like that, he has that opportunity to perform and, the league won't have time to adjust to him, which is one reason I like Luis Robert a lot this year, but on Sean Murphy, I mean, he didn't, he had 60 plate appearances in 2019 in the majors, 245 average with only four home runs, but especially in a short season like this, when he may face a lot of bad pitching or he's, he may have figured something out this off season. And if he's got his swing down and getting the type of contact that you really want, the league won't have that time to adjust to him. He's not going to be one that's, stellar exactly. for average but There's, he could go 270 with 10 home runs in a short season and be great at the catcher position especially after pick 200 i sean murphy's a great one because a lot of people aren't looking at him as a main guy yeah there's not a lot of like you said there's there's not a lot of tape out there for him so they don't they don't know too much about him and that's just somebody that i'm willing to uh take the uh to take later on in the draft for sure so there's one that I've been wanting to talk about, and it's a long shot for this season. I don't know if you have a guy that's similar, but for me, one guy that I really want to 
see him get a chance and just get thrown into the rotation as much as people might hate it because it's an Astro it's Forrest Whitley. Uh, He's been (laughs) one of my favorite prospects for the last few years. Obviously he's lost two seasons of pitching over the last few one with the suspension, then a couple of weird injuries in there and setbacks, but there's no Jose or Kitty yet for the Astros. Uh, He hasn't reported to camp obviously. And the Astros losing Cole this offseason, there is a spot at the back end of that rotation where, I mean, Forrest Whitley has the arsenal. The only thing that's killed him these last few years was the control because whatever set him out of whack really obviously made him not look up as the same prospect as he was. But he's got five great pitches, and when he's on, he is dominant. And I'd love to see the Astros just give him a chance, throw him out there in a season that – matters but at the same time really doesn't because if you have I mean especially a team like that that has the defense they have the offense to cover for a bad game and they've got the bullpen so you know what if he only goes three innings but is able to at least learn they're going to give have that chance for 2021 where okay they know how to work with him they have the big league coaches coaching him up all year and it's not so much that you have to draft him but he's a guy to keep an eye on he's going within uh in the top 400 just because that ceiling is so ridiculously high that he could provide you double digit strikeouts if he's on and i'd love to see the astros just put him in the five slot give him a chance and see what happens yeah no i completely agree i i feel like he he should have already had his had his chance and i do agree that he probably he should at least get it this year and, and he will perform. Mine is a a little bit maybe less of a long shot, but it's uh Dustin May. Um once again, been watching the uh, inner squad games and I watched the one that he pitches because I have a couple of shares of Dustin May myself, and he looked good. Um and I just I know he's one of the top prospects in, in baseball. Um, but I do think that regardless if he gets a spot in the rotation or if he's coming out of the bullpen, he's going to help. So especially because he could be considered maybe after the few, first few games like that spark, especially if he is coming out of the bullpen. But I, I personally really like him and I just like his stuff. I just really think that he's the person that I definitely would like to have on all my rosters. I, I didn't get a chance to get him on every one, but he's definitely my long shot. And he might not be a complete long shot because of his status as a huge um, prospect, but I do think that a lot of t- a lot of people that might not know too much about prospects might be just sleeping on him and not really fully know him, but they'll know him by the end of, or at least mid to end of this season for sure. The one issue I have with him is obviously the Dodgers. They love to move their guys around. I wonder if he'll even have a spot on that rotation, but because yeah. currently I'm looking at Roto Champ and there's uh, we don't really know how the Dodgers are going to do it, especially with mm-hmm. how much they change their rosters in and out. But they have Stripling as the five outside yes. of Kershaw, Bueller, Wood, and Urias. But May is definitely a guy that if one of them goes down, he should be the first one up in that rotation. Yeah, because everyone else in the bullpen really should stay there. Tony Gonsolin maybe as a guy could get that five spot, but he's more of a spot starter. I think they yeah. like him as a long reliever. So I love the Dustin May pick. That's excellent. Yeah. And he's, he's got the high potential, especially yeah. that hair. Oh man. Yeah. He has, he has the, the big league hair. So but yeah, 
Oh, we've obviously had a lot of discussion with the concerns for the season of people yeah. getting sick, people getting hurt. Um, I've got one player that, before we wrap it up, the one that I'm afraid to draft, that I think the talent's there, I think the team is there, but it's David Dahl, and he's going surprisingly high still as pick 143. He had his uh, – he doesn't have a spleen anymore. He had that removed a while back and that definitely puts him at risk, especially playing in Colorado. I don't understand why he's going so high. Obviously the ceilings there, but in a weird year, he makes me nervous with just maybe wanting to opt out at some point, especially if Colorado goes say five and 10 in their first 15 games, maybe it's just not worth it to play the whole season for him. It's, I don't know how many players will see do that, but David Dahl definitely concerns me going into the season. Yeah, no, 100%. I, and it, it is, it's just, it's so crazy to think like you just don't know. It's like, this is such a crazy season because everybody, like, like we talked about earlier, Austin Meadows is out for COVID. Like, it's just, it's crazy. But I would say my, the one person that I'm concerned with the most is uh, Didi Gregorius. Um, he already came out and said that he is going to be wearing a, a face mask during the, every game. Cause he was have he already had the uh, kidney condition. Um, so I don't know if maybe, I mean, he'll wear the mask, but I don't know if maybe mid season or start of the season, someone that he may be close to uh, with Philadelphia gets sick and then he'll just maybe sit out and try to be more safe with it because he has that condition. So I, right. I would say, say someone like Didi Gregorius is my player to be a little bit concerned with because of, the condition that he has. Yeah. And I think Gregorius will be, he's one that I like, but I definitely see the worry there. Obviously I, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to wear a mask and something that I'm surprised we haven't seen more guys do on that aspect is the uh, gators. Obviously they wear them in the cold. You see them anyways, and it covers their nose. It covers their mouth. I'm surprised we don't see more guys trying to use that versus what a disposable mask or something else during the season yeah. since they actually do have them with there are ones with filters there are ones that you can actually buy right now that are team affiliated so that's something i'm surprised we don't see more guys do maybe he finds that as something down the road to work better yeah but dd gregorius is especially at a deep position it's not like you're having to pay a lot for him but yeah. he's on a great team so exactly Gregorius could be really good, but that concern of him already not having the best of health is definitely worrisome. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, so uh, we talk all about this. Are you, do you have any concerns with a full season, maybe half a season, or maybe just this week, we don't even, something big happens <laughs> and we don't even play. I mean, obviously there's concern for it, but I, I almost feel like this season is going to get played regardless and I think MLB is going to want to push through it and say, you know what? All right. You've got guys that are hurt and it's going to take, it would really take a lot for a team not to be able to field a proper team. You think about it. They've got the 60 man pools that they can pull from. It would take almost 24, yeah. 25 guys getting sick or injured to where they can't even actually, sorry, 35 or 36 guys getting injured where they can't even full the full 26 man yeah. roster. So. No, I agree completely. And I agree with exactly what you said with that. I, I think we're going to get a full season. Um, 
I think with them adding the additional people on the rosters that it's just going to be the next man up, you know, plug and play. Right. So, yeah. I can't Why wait not? though. I'm going to, I can't wait <laughs> Thursday night. I know I'm excited for it. There's a lot going on. Uh, this is just our first episode. We'll be doing starts and sits waiver wire pickups every week when we get to it. And we'll have these out for you every Sunday night, every Monday morning, whatever it is, but we'll have a lot for you guys. And I'm glad to get this one in. So yeah. I want to thank you, Michael, for joining us and joining the fake team staff. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. And I appreciate appreciate you guys bringing me on. And like I said, I, I uh, will have going to have a lot of fun this year and definitely going to be a, a memorable year. And um, stay with us. We'll be bringing some great content and doing our research for sure. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. And we'll see you guys on episode number two next week. Bye.